Welcome to Open House with Sharon Caddy. Whether you're looking for a home to love or loving the home you're in, you found the place for tips and advice to bring everything home. Now here's your host, Sharon Caddy. Well, hey there, everyone. It's uh, great to have you all along again today. We're going to be talking about a topic that if you've even given a hint of a thought to uh, of when it comes to buying a home, the mortgage question is one of the ones that comes up pretty much right off the top, especially if you're a first-time home buyer, because it's daunting. Let's face it, I still think back, and when I think back to buying my first home, and we're going back, oh gosh, 20 years or so, um, for most people, it's the first time you've bought anything bigger than a car, and a car seemed really daunting to get financing for. And suddenly you're into this thing that these days at an entry level is costing you somewhere uh, around a half a million dollars, which for the average person seems like the scariest thing in the world. What you need to know is what mortgages are all about, what the costs are to actually get started, and I think you'll find a nice new comfort level in that you'll be spending less monthly than you're paying for rent these days, yet you actually are on a road to ownership of something that will actually start building your wealth. Well, I want to talk about all that today, so I decided to invite a friend who is uh, one of my favorite people and one of my favorite mortgage agents out there, Vince Savoya, joining me right now from BRM Lending. Vince, great to have you along. Thank you. Good afternoon. Hey, so first time home buyers, I got to tell you, with the summer comes along, this is a big time of year for a lot of young people that say, you know what, interest rates are low, maybe it's time to get in, but there's so much to think about. Um, I think one of the first steps is finding a mortgage professional, a financial professional to help you. So before we get into the meat and potatoes, tell us a little bit about you and what you do in your business. Well, I'm a mortgage agent uh, with BRM Lending out of Collingwood, and my job is to work for the client, not necessarily the financial institution. Um, So I assist people in finding mortgages, uh, regardless of uh, what their credit background may be. Um, We work with a number of lenders across the country, um, both uh, huge institutional lenders like like the banks, you know, Scotiabank and TD, for example. Uh, all the way over to private lenders. So we're able to assist uh, with financing uh, in a variety of ways. Excellent. And like I said, a lot of young people, uh, not even just young people, but people maybe who've been renting for years are thinking about getting into that first home ownership situation. And there's, they look at the news and the news is mortgage rate, mortgage rates are, are low, like really low. Where Just before we get to all that, where are mortgage rates sitting approximately right now, ballpark? Well, you know, they're... <laughs> I, I would like to say they're almost at all-time lows. Yeah, um, especially for first-time home buyers, it's not unheard of to get a five-year variable mortgage today at you know two point two two and a quarter percent, which is unbelievably low. It really is. Now, curiously, before we get to home, first-time home buyers, if you're sitting on a mortgage that you're that you've had for four years or five years, and you got in at like let's say three and a half percent or whatever you're in at, is there a point where it's worth looking at? it's not time to renew for like say 12 months, 18 months. Is there a time where it's worth talking to someone about early? There is, especially if you have other high consumer debt, I guess, interest debt. So if you have, if you have a mortgage, plus you maybe have a, a couple of credit cards that are maxed out uh, or a line of credit that 
you know, you may want to pay out or even car loans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always advisable to speak with a mortgage agent and look at what it would cost to consolidate your debt. Um, the real story there is what is the cost of breaking your mortgage? Right. And you know, the banks will, will either charge you what we call an interest rate differential, uh, which means, you know, if your mortgage is at three and a half percent and the current rate is at 2.2, they're going to charge you that 1.3% differential in interest costs for the balance of the term. Um, or they'll charge you a three-month interest penalty to break the mortgage. So it's really important to understand what that penalty is. And then any mortgage agent uh, would be able to do the math and determine whether or not it would be advisable for you to break that mortgage. Well, there you go. There's some good advice. Um, now, turning to those first-time home buyers and I do find that lately I've been uh, approached by more people who are looking to get into the housing market for the first time. Like you say, interest rates are low, but house prices are not. Not So there's a lot to think about there. Um, When I sit down with buyers, and I do like to chat with them and get to know them a little before we even start looking at houses so we're not just wasting everyone's time. One of the first things I need to know as a realtor is, is what budget what what's the price range you're looking at where where it works with your budget and I can always tell if I ask that question and they don't know and they're just telling me that all the features they like are housed in one and a half million dollar homes I know they have not gone to someone to talk about where they stand financially and get a pre-approval so when someone comes to you for a pre-approval can you let us know what a pre-approval is because that doesn't mean you have the mortgage it's something else but it does give us a budget and what are you looking at as a as a mortgage agent to determine their pre-approval amount okay so there, there are two different terms that we could use here um what you're actually referring to sharon is a pre-qualification right yeah um, most most people will go to a mortgage agent and ask to be pre-qualified. Um, and what the agent will do is, you know, they will sit down and, and ask you a, a series of questions, uh, especially around your income and uh, how much money you make per year. Um, and from that, we take a look at your liabilities and what are your responsibilities per month in terms of uh, any other debt obligations you have. Um, so in order to be uh, pre-qualified, uh, we generally use two terms, uh, GDS and TDS, um, gross debt service ratio and total debt service ratio. And the numbers we'd like to see, for example, the gross debt service ratio represents uh, a cost that you would incur if you owned the home. So your, your, uh, your mortgage payments, uh, your property taxes, and your heat and insurance. And Normally, we'd like to see that in the 35% range of your gross revenue, your gross income. Mm -hmm. So if you're making $100,000 a year, we want to see that GDS at roughly $35,000. For total debt service income, we look at not only your mortgage and taxes, insurance and and heat, but we also add into that any other monthly obligations that you have. So car payments, lease payments, credit card debt, anything like that. Right. And the most we'd like to see there is roughly 42% of, of your gross income. Um, so we, we look at those ratios, 35 and 42%, and we can tell you whether or not you would qualify for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And we would give you a, a certificate saying, yes, you would qualify for a home at this price and a mortgage of this amount. Um, on the other hand, there are pre-approvals still available. Not a lot of lending institutions do them. 
but I can actually underwrite your file. I can gather all the information, ask for your pay stubs, your employment letter, um, you know, do a credit report. I can submit this to an institution and say to them, look, I need to know uh, will you approve this client and if so, at what amount? Mm -hmm. And they will come back with a pre-approval. And in that regard, that, that pre-approval is like gold. You know exactly what you're qualified for and the maximum mortgage you're allowed to, uh, to basically obtain on a house. Right. Now, I know for some people that go and see someone and to find out what they qualify for, there's sometimes if they haven't really looked into the process and looked at what's involved, uh, they, they get disappointed in one of two ways. One of them being they, they that's all I qualify for. But they have to understand there, there is still the, the stress test is still a thing, isn't it? I'm sorry, I missed that. The stress test is still a, it's still Very a thing. Very much so, yes. So you're not qualifying um, at 2.2%. <laughs> so the stress test was implemented back in 2010, and it was an instrument that the federal government introduced to kind of um, put water and the uh, water on the overheated real estate market. And what the stress test basically does is that it forces us to add two percentage points to the current going rate um, to see if you qualify to maintain a mortgage at, at a higher rate. So. Today, the benchmark that we need to use to pre-qualify someone is 4.94%. And that's come so, down. That's lower than it was. Yeah, it came down uh, about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it was at 504. Um, originally, it was at like 528. So, <laughs> so yeah. we've, seen, we've seen ranges in the stress test. Um, so even though the best five-year rate is 2.2%, is hypothetically, um, you still have to qualify at 494. And what the government is trying to do there is it wants to make sure that you're able to withstand a spike in interest rates in the eventuality it actually happens. Mm -hmm. um, so you're pre-qualified at a higher rate. Um, and that in itself sometimes disqualifies people yeah. for traditional loans. Well, it it's, uh, can be discouraging, and I, but I understand it 100% because I go back to that first house that we ever bought. And you got to figure that house prices were considerably lower. I mean, the, the, per, the property we purchased back then, we paid like 170000 for it. It's now six and a half, six, 650 or so, a little townhouse. Yes. Um, but at the time, uh, interest rates were, this was in about 2007, 2006, anyway, whatever it was, the interest rate was 5%. And then when we had to renew, it was seven and a half, I think. And we, it was manageable because the house wasn't that expensive and the mortgage wasn't that big. But I try to imagine it with some of the house prices we have today. And a, a jump of a, what, even 1% can be prohibitive. It can be. It can be. Yeah, especially if you've qualified by the skinny of teeth. Yeah. Um, so, so it's important to really understand what you can afford and, and, and understand the numbers behind the qualification. And, right. And... You know, sometimes we have to be careful that we, you know, are, we don't get too greedy. You know, we, we have to move into the housing market slowly and we have to, you know, our first property should be a property that we can afford. Um, and we have to look at, unfortunately, the worst case circumstance. And, you know, we've seen it during this pandemic. Some right. people have lost employment. Well, exactly. And, you know, and if that monthly income disappears, where does that put you and your family? So we do have to be realistic when it comes to mortgage payments. Most certainly. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this question that there were a couple of things that where people get disappointed. One was that, where they think, 
but I thought I'd qualify for this much and I only qualify for this much. Okay, I get that. The other one, and I've had this happen a couple of times in the past couple of years, and this is where a good mortgage agent and a good real estate agent can help keep people encouraged. And that's where they go in and they just don't qualify for nearly enough. And I, I think of one particular couple where it had to do with, he had a great job, but he'd only been at it for a month. Her job was, it was okay. It was, you know, second income, but they wouldn't give her proper employment letters because they wouldn't commit to the fact that she did work full time. So they were so discouraged. Um, and, uh, you know, said, you know, if you work on the wait for your one year, she got herself a better job and you know, they're buying now. It was a year. Yeah. But it's, it can be discouraging when you don't qualify. And there can be a, a variety of reasons why you don't. It could be something like the employment. It could also be your credit. Do people pay enough attention to their credit? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I, I have to tell you, people really don't understand how their credit ratings really impact their ability to afford credit. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important that they take the time to understand their credit score. And a lot of these resources are available online free of charge. So, you know, it, it's not, uh, it's not a, a deep black hole that you can't, <laughs> you can't learn of, right? So, um, yeah, we have to be very cognizant of what our credit score is, and we have to look at ways to improve that credit score. Yeah, now there are, and there are ways. I think, at least when I've talked to a variety of different people in different walks of life at different ages, this is not simply a young person's issue. This is, believe me, a lot of people of varying ages. They're either embarrassed to talk to anybody about it, or they figure if I don't look at it, it'll just yeah. go away. <laughs> I, I, I still, like, I went through that phase when I was quite young and, and got my first credit card and realized I had to pay it back. And, <laughs> and you know, back in the day where your, your bill for your credit card came in the mail, and I just wouldn't open it. And that I learned really fast that doesn't, doesn't help. Yeah. But there is that, you know, if I just don't look at it, it won't bother me. I'll deal with it later. But the later you leave it, then you're putting off the possibility of, of doing something like getting a mortgage. You're absolutely right. You know, and it's funny. I, I, I'm, I was actually dealing with a client last month um, who's in her 50s. And uh, I pulled a credit report and she didn't have a credit report. Really? had never owned a credit card or a line of credit that's rare yeah and and as rare as it is it it, it is out there and no and, and people think you know if i don't use credit then I, I can't have a bad credit rating well not having a credit rating is just as bad as having a bad credit rating mm -hmm. um so you know if you've never owned a credit card or a line of credit you know get yourself a credit card even if it's just for 500 bucks or a thousand dollars uh, start es establishing that credit. And what I what I mean by establishing the credit, lenders want to see that you're responsible. They, they want to see that they can lend you money and that you're able to pay it back on time without penalties, without going into overdraft. Um, so it's important to establish that credit history as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, now, you talk about getting that little credit card, but is there, when you're dealing with something that's a larger thing like a mortgage, do are they looking for a a greater history of credit. I know I had one client where it came back, like they were getting approved, but they kept, I kept getting told they had thin credit. It was good yeah. credit, but it was thin credit. What does that mean? Well, I, again, I was dealing with a client who had an excellent credit score, 
But when you looked at their credit history, there was a period of six or seven years where they didn't use any credit at all. Yeah. Um, so they, they had a credit card, they canceled it, they went six or seven years without any history, then they obtained another credit card. Um, that lack of history is thin. Um, conversely, you know, those, those people may only have one or two credit cards and have never had a mortgage or car loan. Yeah. That would be fair to be thin credit. Mm-hmm. Um, you no, know, it's one thing to be responsible for a thousand dollar credit card. It's another thing to be responsible for a forty thousand dollar car loan. Exactly. Right? You know, I so, always want people to say something about me is thin, but not my credit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, so okay, so we're dealing with the credit now. The other big concern for someone coming up into the home buying marketplace for the first time is that down payment. Yeah. Now I I always get the question. Well, can I do it with 5%? And with the the price of houses these days, I mean, I bought my first home on 5%, but 5% back then, the mortgage still wasn't giant. 5% of a half million dollar house leaves you with a huge mortgage, which few would qualify for. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's the situation um, with down payments? Um, also, could you tell us a little bit about what the CMHC or Gemworth is about because young people don't understand that there is another aspect to when you don't put that much down. Sure. So let me deal with the down payment first. Um, people think it's just 5%. So if you're buying a $750,000 home, you need 5% down. That's not necessarily correct. Mm, true. Um, the 5% applies to any home valued $500,000 or less. So in a $500,000 home, you could put down 5%, $25,000, you can buy the home. Um, any homes valued between 25, sorry, any homes valued between 500,000 and a million dollars, you need a 10% down payment above and beyond the 5%. So for example, if we look at a property that's valued at 750,000, your down payment would need to be $50,000. Yeah. rather than the 37.5 that the 5% represents. Right. But right? boy, oh boy, do you want the mortgage that's left over after well, that's, the, thing. <laughs> that's so, the problem? Yeah. So with any high ratio mortgage, and basically a high ratio mortgage is any mortgage, uh, any mortgage where you put down less than 20%. Right. Um, so anything from 5% to 19.99%, um, that would be considered a high ratio mortgage. That mortgage, by law in Canada, needs to be protected for the lender. And there is a thing called mortgage, um, I just lost the terminology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways, you you have to insure their mortgage. So CMHC, uh, which is the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, they would come along and they would insure that mortgage on behalf of the financial institution. So in the event that I, as the borrower, defaulted on that mortgage or I was unable to pay it, CMHC would protect that financial institution from any losses that that mortgage may incur. Right. Right. So it's, 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 a, it's an insurance premium that one has to pay. And that premium will be anywhere between 2.5% to 4% of the purchase price. Right. And that premium is added on to your mortgage. So this right. is another consideration people have to think another about. Another consideration. Yeah. And so, again, not only do you have to qualify for the regular mortgage, you now have to qualify for the mortgage plus the insurance premium. Yeah. 
Right, so and your monthly payments. This is why I think it's so important to sit down and, and actually talk to someone who can help you get your your financial picture in focus because, yes, you're looking at the price you're going to pay for the home. You're going to look at, um, because very few first-time home buyers have 20% or more. So you're looking at some kind of offset in terms of the CMHC uh, insurance. Exactly. Then there are other things. Now, we need to discuss with people the fact that we need um, deposit money at the ready to offer on a home. And we also have to consider there are going to be closing costs at the end. Yes. Now, for someone that has an existing home and you're selling a home and buying a home, the closing costs kind of come out in the wash with the, you know, in the sale of the home and the equity. But when you're buying that first home, and you go and you're signing things with the lawyer at the end so you can, you know, close the house, there are costs. There are. Yeah. So that's another thing that uh, people don't realize that they're going to have to, there's, there's lawyer's fees and disbursements and um, land transfer taxes. And well, actually, for, that's the thing we should get to. Land transfer taxes, perhaps not as much as you think if you're a first-time homebuyer. Well, that's because with the land transfer tax, there are both provincial and municipal uh, tax credits that you can apply for. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a first-time home buyer, you do have to buy the default insurance. Um, as a closing cost, you're, you have to pay for the provincial sales tax on that home insurance mm-hmm. as part of your closing cost. Um, but when it comes to rebates, there are a number of programs available to, first-time, to the first-time home buyer that will allow them to recapture um, some of those land transfer fees. Right. And more importantly, you have to remember in the city of Toronto, um, you're paying land, you're, you're paying the land transfer fee twice. Twice. Yes, you are. You're paying once, it at that. Once to the province, once to the city. And once municipally, and it's the same amount. Yes, yeah, same amount. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, there are rebates available from both the province and the city that you could apply for, usually within 12 months of purchasing the home. And they will refund up to, I believe, it's $4,000 to cover the cost of land transfer taxes. Excellent. Um, Now, I know there have been other incentive programs out there that help make things a little easier for first-time homebuyers to get started. Uh, What's still out there? What kind of incentive programs can first-time homebuyers look at that will help them? Well, the the government introduced a couple of years ago the first-time homebuyers incentive Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, if you are purchasing a home, they will, um, if you're, sorry, if you're purchasing an existing home, they will give you a 5% loan. And if you're purchasing a brand new home, they will give you a 10% loan. Now this loan is added onto your mortgage. Uh, it's not repayable for 25 years, mm-hmm. um, or when you sell your house. Um, now, because the government is taking an equity stake in your house by giving you this loan. Um, technically speaking, if your house goes up by 25%, they're going to want their 25% share oh, of course. to be paid back. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, the RSP Home Buyers Program is still an excellent program. Um, the, the withdrawal amounts were increased to $35,000 per person. So if you've been, um, if you've had the benefit of, of uh, investing in your RSPs, both you and your partner or spouse, um, that's up to $70,000 you can withdraw from your RSP as a down payment. And if you do the use that program, uh, technically it, it's like a second mortgage onto your property and you have to repay, not the government, you're, you're repaying your RSP mm-hmm. um, one-fifteenth of that per year. Which is pretty and, reasonable. That's actually, well, that's really reasonable. 
it's a very, very small premium to pay. And and the nice thing is, if you can't pay it, you know, God forbid we run into those financial difficulties. Um, that one fifteenth that's payable that year is just added to your income. Um, yeah. And you pay it, you pay tax accordingly. So, but again, it's a it's a it's a program that can be utilized. Um, and and the one thing that most people don't realize is that municipalities themselves have home ownership programs, Sharon. Mm. Um, so, for example, here in the Barrie area, um, the city of Barrie has a program where if you're a renter, they will give you, you know, a 10% forgivable loan to buy the property up to a certain maximum. And again, repayable after 20 years. Um, and if you're still in the home after that length of time, the loan is forgiven. Wow. That's pretty, right. so, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, again, it's important to to work with a mortgage agent who can help you identify these programs and assist you in applying for as many of them as possible because they're out there. Um, You just need to apply for them. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's wise. And, but I think that that first step is actually having a conversation with someone who is a professional who can guide you. Uh, There's so much out there to think about. And I know when that, that, when that person is sitting down and thinking of making that first purchase, all they're thinking about is, do I have the down payment? How much I can afford? I and they're <laughs> not so thinking true. about anything else. <laughs> it's so true. It's and, so true. But in the end, if you do it right, if you shop within your budget, if you are are wise about saving up enough for a down payment and getting into this wisely, not not going for the maximum you're possibly allowed, like keeping things reasonable it can be, and actually in most cases is, um, a more affordable and smarter avenue than, than renting forever. Oh, most definitely. Especially with rental rates right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've got, I've got a 25-year-old daughter who's just waiting for a full-time contract teaching. Wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, uh, and, and her first thing, you know, is, is to get out there and buy her, her own home. You know, but people are paying, you know, $1,400, $1,600 a month in rent right now for one-bedroom apartments. Oh, easily, yeah. And you now, if you're buying a townhome or uh, now I'm talking about the Barrie area, this is not down in the Toronto area, but you know, if, if you're in small town Ontario, you can easily buy a condo uh, or a townhouse you know, under $300,000. Yeah. Um, and again, if, if you do the pre-planning and you have your down payment, it will be cheaper to pay for the mortgage than it is the rent. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it- worth having that discussion. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I have an interesting circumstance that happened. This is going back almost two years now. Um, But I had a a young couple who came and said, we want to rent a house. And I said, all right. Um, They had had enough income. They didn't have anything saved for down payment or anything, but they wanted to rent a house. They had a dog. The dog was like a 70-pound bulldog. Um, Couldn't get rent anywhere, at least with the dog that was not permitted yeah. so many places and and the rent was prohibitive and there was multiple offers for rent on houses that they they could have that had a yard and you know we sat and had that awkward conversation i said well, well you guys live right now we're living with and they were living with her mother free of charge um not an ideal situation but i said you've been there for this much time could you not make a deal where you know you stay this x amount of time but you were you were willing to pay twenty five, twenty six hundred plus utilities a month, so call it three thousand dollars a month to rent this house. Then why not stay another year and pay into maybe take a loan and pay it off, or maybe just pay into a savings account for a year at that rate 
and suddenly you're sitting on thirty six, forty thousand dollars. Yeah. And it was it was like this light bulb went on. You know, there are options out there. You know, there's a if you're willing to pay that much, you know, there are options. That's a lot of money to pay someone else's mortgage. It is. You're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> now, there's a, one other thing I've come up against, and I think this is something that, you know, I'd like to hear you address as um, a mortgage agent, because, you know, as a real estate salesperson, I get approached by a lot of mortgage um, professionals, mortgage individuals. And I'm very wary of some in the industry that come up and tell me that I can get your clients qualified for way more money. And I can do this and I can do that. And I, this is, I try to tell people to be very wary of people that tell you that they can get you more money in a mortgage. Um, what, should, what should people be, what kind of questions should people be asking of uh, a mortgage professional when they're looking to, to work with someone? Because I hate seeing people get kind of brought into a situation where maybe you're going to be led into something you can't really afford. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always go back to the best introduction I can have to a client is through a referral, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you, you, sh you should ask your friends and family for referrals to mortgage agents they may have worked with in the past. Um, if it's the first time you're, you're speaking with a mortgage agent, don't be afraid to ask them what their qualifications are, uh, how long they've been in the business, and more importantly, do they have any testimonials that uh, he or she can share with you? Um, again, just do your homework. Um, you can go to the, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, Sharon, <laughs> uh, Fisco, uh, Financial Institutions Consumers of Ontario okay. uh, website, right? Um, and you can search mortgage agents to see if they're licensed. Um, you can also see if they've been subject to any disciplinary actions. See, that's good. Okay, we so have the same thing in real estate where you can do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, it's, it's, it's just asking the right questions, being cognizant that you can do your homework and, and be prepared to do your homework. Excellent. And at the end of the day, if the deal sounds too good to be true, it, it is. probably is. <laughs> it is because we all work with the same rules. Um, no one mortgage agent is going to be able to do any more than I can do um, without breaking the rules. Absolutely. And, and that to me is a red flag. Yeah. So now if people are listening and they think, you know what, Vince sounds pretty good. I'd like to get in touch with him. Where can people reach out and find you? Well, my website is vincesavoya.ca. Um, and my last name is spelled S-A-V-Z and Victor O-I-A. Uh, or conversely, you can just give myself a call, 416-427-4391. Um, okay. And my email is info at vincesavoya.ca. So it's pretty, pretty simple. <laughs> and I wanted to mention too that, and this is the, the reality of working in uh, our world of mortgages and real estate right now. Uh, you are based currently in the Barrie area, but because of the way of the world, you can work with anybody anywhere. Yeah, actually with, with my brokerage, um, we can actually help people right across the country. Wow. That's even so wider than Ontario. Ability, <laughs> yeah. So we do have the ability to, to like, I, I just placed a deal last month in New Brunswick. Wow. Um, now we we co-broker that with a licensed agent in New Brunswick and with the company I'm with, we're able to do that. So yeah, by all means, um, we're, we're, 
we're able to broker anywhere pretty well. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd love to chat again soon. What do you say we get together and talk about more mortgage stuff soon? Oh, anytime. All anytime. right. Thank you so much. That's Vince Savoya with BRM Lending. And thank you for listening today. Talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us for Open House with Sharon Caddy. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and visit Sharon at SharonCaddy.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at SharonCaddyRealtor. See you next time. Oh,